0: Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and for some of us, day after day, we receive Jesus in Holy Communion. But do we notice any change? Do we experience any kind of significant progress from communion to communion? I mean, we're receiving Almighty God, Jesus' very body, blood, soul, and divinity. What about that transformation in Christ that we're hoping for? What is this sacrament really all about? What is the mystery of Holy Communion, and how, does it, uh, how do I make myself present to that great mystery so that I can welcome those graces that Jesus wants to give me at every holy communion? How can I welcome Jesus more deeply into my heart so that those graces bear fruit in my life? That's what I want to talk about in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri. And as always, I want to welcome any new listeners joining us for the first time. Thanks for being with us and checking out the show. And I want to give a shout out to a number of the groups I was visiting virtually over the last week. Uh, a big shout out to the Moms group in Roswell, Georgia. I was able to present spent half a day with them this weekend on their virtual mom's retreat and as you know if anyone needs a retreat it's moms. So husbands give your wife a chance to unplug to get plugged in with Jesus, plugged in with good fellowship with their sisters in Christ. Um, Moms need a retreat. And it was such a blast being with these these amazing women who are really striving to be courageous, heroic women, building good culture in their homes, a Catholic culture in the midst of the secular age and raising kids in the midst of our crazy society. And uh, we had a lot of fun, great conversations. I know I learned a lot from them and it was a blessing to be with them. Uh, Big shout out also to the military families at Eglin Air Force Base. Great to be with you. Thank you for your service to the to our country. And as my wife, I told my wife about this. She has a big heart, especially for military wives who make so many sacrifices to never know where they're going and always having to move and uh, and really serving so much. So our prayers have been with you all as well. Uh, Christ the King Parish, the Bible study group there at Wethersfield, Connecticut, uh, St. Anne Bible study group in Coppell, Texas. And then we're continuing our three-part series with the college students at Northern Arizona University and... And Immaculate Heart of Mary in Cincinnati. It was a packed week this week, but a lot of fun to be able to connect. If you're interested in learning more about those virtual uh, small group Bible studies I'm leading, uh, I'm, we're opening up 2021, especially going into the Lenten season. So you can reach out to me on my website, edwards3.com. That's edwardsri.com, And you can learn more about my virtual online speaking events. But let's turn back to the topic of holy communion. And before I get into a lot of the practicals, I, and I do want to get practical on what we can do. I want to take some lessons from some of the saints so that we can really receive Jesus more profoundly. And, and of course we receive him at every communion. But how do I receive him heart to heart? How am I really present to the graces? That's what I want to talk about. But first, I want to just back up a little bit and consider just biblically why this is so important, the idea of Holy Communion. Um, you know, there's some Christians that would say, you know, we don't really need all these rituals, and it's just a reminder of Jesus. You know, the Eucharist is just a symbol of Jesus, and Jesus died for us on the cross. It was his atoning sacrifice, and all we have to do is welcome Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior. We don't need all these rituals at the Mass. And we don't need Holy Communion and Eucharistic adoration and all that. That just seems like extra and a distraction and maybe even bordering on idolatry some some of our protestant brothers and sisters might say but the whole idea of holy communion receiving jesus's very body and blood makes just complete sense if you are truly a biblical christian that you're looking at things from the biblical perspective it totally makes sense from a first century jewish biblical context that if jesus died on the cross for our sins you would expect that we would partake of him that we would actually partake of him in a communion meal. You see, most of the sacrifices in the Bible, sacrifices like Passover, for example, the sacrifice of the animal wasn't enough. There there was also a communion meal. And it was the communion meal that solidified, forged union with God. You see, think about it. In, In the Bible, you have all these sacrifices in the Bible. And God doesn't want animal sacrifice. Do you think God gets a kick out of seeing animal blood and guts being poured out and offered up to him? That's not, that's not what he's aiming for. He wants our hearts. He wants unity. He wants deep friendship, covenant union with us. So that's why it was never enough to sacrifice the animal. You had to have a meal. There was the meal. And, and, and to really appreciate this, the, 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 you have to get the, the symbolism of meals, in the Bible and in ancient Near Eastern cultures, the idea is that two people could come together and, and, and share a meal and the sharing of the meal symbolized sharing of life. It symbolized covenant friendship, deep unity. The idea is that the same, let's say if you and I, maybe let's say we, we had some tension, but, but we wanted to make peace in our friendship. So we, we might share a meal together. And then we'd, this, they had the symbolism of sharing this, the same food is this they had the same food going into you is going into me. So it symbolizes a shared life that we have. You see this all over the Bible. One example is in Genesis 26. You have two men, Isaac and Abimelech, and there's some tension between their families. Uh, but they come together and make a peace treaty, a covenant peace treaty. And so what do they do? They sacrifice the animals. Now, now, you would think that, okay, good, they sacrificed animals to God, and they, they made their treaty, we're all done. No, 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 no. You have to have the communion meal. You see, you, you sacrifice the animal, then you partake of the meal together. And the same food going into Abimelech is going into Isaac. And it was the communion meal that established peace and unity. They walk away from that communion meal as brothers. And this is what we see all throughout the Bible. You see this threefold pattern of sacrifice followed by a communion meal. And it was the communion meal that established the covenant union, the friendship. That's what Passover was like. The Passover meal wasn't enough to just sacrifice the lamb in Egypt. You had to eat the lamb. And then it was the the, the partaking of the lamb that united you together as a family, united you with your nation, united you with God. So when we turn to the climactic sacrifice in the Bible, the most important sacrifice in the entirety of Scripture, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary, we would expect to find the same threefold pattern. Sacrifice. If there's a sacrifice on the cross, there should be a communion meal. And it's the communion meal that establishes unity with God. That's just what we would expect if we're just looking at this from a biblical perspective. And guess what? That's what we find. Because the night before he died, as you know, at the Last Supper, Jesus celebrates a Passover meal. And at this Passover meal, he does what you would expect there to be at a Passover meal, that you'd have the actual communion meal with it. But what's fascinating is he takes all the sacrificial language of the Passover and he applies it to himself. He says, this is my body, which is given up for you, offered up for you. That's technical language from the the temple sacrifices. You would take the body of the animal, like the lamb. At Passover, you take the body of the lamb and offer it up in sacrifice. So it's biblical language describing animal sacrifice in the temple. Same thing. Jesus says, this is my blood, which is being poured out for forgiveness of sins. Technical language right there from the temple again, where you would take the blood of the animal and pour it out over the altar for forgiveness of sins. So this language of a body being offered up and a blood being poured out, you would expect at a Passover meal, Jesus is talking about the lamb's body being offered up and the lamb's blood being poured out, but he takes that language and he applies it to himself. It's his body and blood that's being offered up and being poured out like a Passover lamb. What's Jesus doing here? He's identifying himself as the Passover lamb. He's saying he is the new Passover lamb being sacrificed. His body and blood are being offered up and being poured out. He's the new Passover lamb. And just like the lambs of of old, centuries ago, had had been sacrificed in Egypt so that the Israelites could be spared, they could be rescued, they could be liberated. So Jesus is going to offer up his life like a Passover lamb. He's going to offer his life up on the cross so that we can be liberated. We can be freed from a deeper slavery than even the Israelites experienced under Pharaoh in Egypt. The deeper slavery to sin, to Satan to the ways of the world, to the ways of the devil. Christ is coming to free us. And that's what he's telling us there. He is the sacrifice. So get this, if if there is a sacrifice on the cross, if Jesus is that sacrifice, if he is the Passover lamb being offered up in sacrifice, what would you expect to follow? You'd expect that there would be a communion meal, right? Because in the the Passover, in the uh, the first Passover, in the book of Exodus chapter 12, It wasn't enough to just sacrifice the lamb. What did the Jews have to do? Do you remember the Passover story? They had to sacrifice the lamb, take the blood, put it on the doorpost, and then they had to eat the lamb. It wasn't enough to just sacrifice the lamb. You had to eat the lamb. If you did not eat the lamb, you did not complete the Passover and the angel of death would not have passed over your house. You would have woken up in the morning and your firstborn son would have been dead. You see, The communion meal was essential, absolutely essential. And no Jew would ever think of just kind of eating a symbol of the lamb. Can you imagine that in Egypt? They said, well, I don't really like lamb. I don't like the taste of lamb, so I'll just have a lamb-shaped cookie or I'll make a lamb-shaped matzah. Uh Uh-uh. If you sacrifice the lamb to complete the process, you have to have the communion meal because it's the communion meal that forges, that forges the covenant solidarity, covenant union with God. Sacrifice, communion meal, covenant union, the threefold pattern. That's what you see all over in, in most of the sacrifices, especially Passover here. So it wasn't enough. You couldn't just eat a reminder of the lamb or a symbol of the lamb. You had to eat the lamb. So if Jesus is the lamb and he's being sacrificed, On Calvary, we would expect a communion meal where we eat the lamb. We don't eat a symbol of the lamb. We don't eat a piece of bread that reminds us of Jesus. No, that, that that doesn't fit the biblical pattern. You have to eat the lamb. That's why at the Last Supper, Jesus says, this is my body. He doesn't say this is a symbol of my body. This is a reminder of my body. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. He really wants us to partake of his body and blood in the Eucharist. And you know this is exactly what you find in Paul's letters. Listen to what Paul says in First Corinthians chapter five, verses seven and eight, he says, Christ our Paschal Lamb has been sacrificed. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul is celebrating the great sacrifice of all sacrifices. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb, and he's been sacrificed for our sins. He's rejoicing in this great gift of Christ's sacrifice. And what does he say next? Does he say, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed, therefore, all is done. We don't have to do anything. It's all over. No, that's not what he says. He says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed, therefore celebrate the feast. Celebrate the feast. Celebrate the communion meal. That's the feast he's talking about all throughout and at different points in First Corinthians, his letter to the, the Corinthians. He's talking about the communion meal. He he goes on to describe this communion meal in First Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 16, what, what is this great feast that we're supposed to partake in if Jesus is the Passover lamb? Well, then we have to partake of the lamb. Listen to what he says. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? He's talking about really partaking of Christ's body and blood. And he goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to tell us the specifics of this communion meal. He gives a whole account Starting in verse twenty-three and following, about uh, about the Last Supper, that this is what Jesus said the night before he died. He took bread and he said, "This is my body." This is my blood. So, it's it's the communion meal of the Eucharist. You see, the whole idea of receiving Jesus in the Eucharist makes total biblical sense. This is exactly what you would expect. The threefold pattern that you see throughout scripture, sacrifice of the animal was not enough. You had to eat of the animal. You had to have the communion meal. And it was the communion meal that symbolized, expressed, solidified covenant union with God. That's what God wants. He wants union. He wants our hearts. He doesn't just want sacrifice. And so this is the great gift that we get to participate in Sunday after Sunday. And for those of us that are blessed to receive during the week, We can go every day to receive Holy Communion at daily Masses. What an incredible gift this is. But let's go practical now. Let's talk about uh, this mystery. Let's really realize the profundity of this mystery and how we can enter into it with our hearts. First of all, one thing I want you to realize is that in the Bible, this whole idea of eating Christ's body, what is this about? Well, in the Bible, the body represents the whole person. The body is, is not just, doesn't just house your, your, your soul. It, it, it expresses the whole person. So the idea of Jesus' body being offered up, it points to his whole life being offered up. This is a point Pope Benedict often mentioned. That it, When Jesus says, my body's being offered up, it's, he, it, it's, it's pointing to his incredible gift of himself, totally holding nothing back. He gave up everything, his entire life for us. And it's that body that he gives to us in Holy Communion. That when he says that he wants us to partake of his flesh, that he wants us, that when he says, this is my body, he's giving us his entire self, holding nothing back. That tells us that when we receive Holy Communion, we come back to our pews. This is, this is, just amazing to realize that God is giving everything, everything of himself to us at this moment. I mean, he's always giving himself to us and loving, but especially here, his very presence, his body. Remember the symbolism of the body symbolizes the whole person. So when we receive the body of Jesus, we're receiving his his fullness. He he, he is giving his entire self to us. It's so beautiful here. Uh, Pope Benedict talks about this idea. It's kind of like uh, another level of exodus, if you will, for Jesus, kind of constantly going out of himself, going out of himself to serve the poor, going, to, going out of himself to reach out to the sinners, going out of himself to reach out to the Gentiles. and He's constantly sacrificing, going out of himself to others. We see this most especially on the cross, but that mystery of his total self-giving continues at every holy communion where he's giving himself totally to us. Now here's another aspect uh, that we can think about. Pope Benedict also made this point, quoting the great Saint Augustine, that uh, when we receive Holy Communion, it, it's just fascinating what happens. It's a beautiful insight from the early Church Father Saint Augustine. He points out about uh, he points out how you know, with other kinds of food, you know, I, I just went on a, a date night with my, my wife here this weekend. We got to go out for a nice little Italian styled pizza and it was a wonderful night together. So we, we had a great pizza together. And, uh, but when, when we're eating this pizza, so the pizza becomes a part of me. Like I, my, my stomach breaks it down. I digest it. It becomes a part of my body. So I take this food and it becomes a part of me. That's how most normal meals work. Not so with the Eucharist. The Eucharist does something else. The Eucharist brings us into Jesus. (laughs) This is the profound point from St. Augustine. Listen to this. Augustine says this, uh, he's, he's quoting Jesus here, imagining Jesus saying these words to express the mystery of Holy Communion. I am the living bread of the strong, eat me but you will not transform me and make me a part of you. Rather, I will transform you and make you part of me. Do you see the difference? I eat the pizza and the the pizza becomes a part of me. (laughs) But when we have Holy Communion, it, 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 it works in reverse here. Christ is going to transform me and make me a part of him. I become a part of him. I become more and more like him. I'm taken up into his life. Pope Bennett goes on and says, in the normal process of eating, the human is the stronger being. He takes things in and they are assimilated into him so that they become a part of his own substance. They are transformed from within and go to build up his bodily life. But in the mutual relation with Christ, it is the other way around. He is the heart. The truly existent being. When we truly communicate, this means, when he says communicate, meaning receiving Holy Communion, when we truly receive Holy Communion, this means that we are taken out of ourselves, that we are assimilated into him, that we become one with him and through him with the fellowship of our brethren. So that what a beautiful thought here, that When we receive Holy Communion, we are taken out of ourselves. We are taken into Christ, which is why it's so important that we're really present in those moments after Holy Communion, that we're not distracted, we're not looking around. I mean, of all the moments, we have to give the best attention uh, to Jesus is right here after Holy Communion. We need to teach our children to, to... to pay attention at this moment, to kneel down, to look down, not look around. This is this is really time to be really present to him. We are being taken out of ourselves. If we can really give our best at this moment here, allow Jesus to, to bring us out of ourselves and more into him, that's where we begin to take on his, his characteristics, his character, his virtues, his holiness. If we're really present, the problem is so many times we receive and we do all the talking or maybe we're not even talking to Jesus. We're just looking around or we're thinking about what we're going to do next. Let's be really present. And I'm pe- preaching to myself here, by the way. I don't always get this right myself. Many times I can be distracted thinking about the kids or thinking about something we have to do right after Mass, and, and, and my mind is not present. And that's why I, I probably <laughs> don't receive all the graces uh, that are available to me, as I should so let's, let's remind each other. Let's encourage each other to be present there. Last little insight, this one comes from John Paul II. John Paul II says, when we receive Holy Communion, we're not the only ones receiving. We're, we're receiving Jesus, but he also says, Jesus receives us. Jesus receives us. This is a beautiful point to think that we are, you know, we in our own brokenness and our own fears and our own failings, the many, many foibles we, we fall into in life, our many, you know, petty little sins. Jesus loves us so much that he welcomes us as he is dwelling within us in our souls In Holy Communion. He is receiving us. He is welcoming us as we are with our brokenness, with our faults, with our weaknesses, with our failures. He is welcoming us into him. Let's be present for that joyful welcoming. Isn't that beautiful to think that, you know, when, when we make mistakes or we do things wrongly, we just feel bad about it. <laughs> you know, we just go, oh, I'm just a failure. But Jesus is not there pointing fingers. He's not keeping score. He, 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 he sees all of those weaknesses and he still says, I love you and I welcome you into me. He's joyfully welcoming us into this beautiful Holy Communion. You know, he himself, this is the last little thought. He gave so much time and attention to Holy Communion. I remember one story when he was a priest in, or he was a bishop, he was a pope as bishop of Rome. He has a responsibility to go visit various parishes in Rome because he's also, he's not just the pope of the world. He's also the bishop of the churches in Rome. <laughs> so he was, he made a great point to go visit as many of the churches in Rome. I, th- I, th- I think he got to all of them, but he, um, he was visiting one church, And everyone shows up that day, right, because the Pope is coming. So there's hundreds of people show up for this Mass at this little church, and then they're all waiting on the outside for him after Mass. But you know what he did? He stayed and prayed in Thanksgiving after Mass, savoring those moments in Holy Communion. And those people waited for a half hour so Pope John Paul II could say his prayers, and talk to Jesus during Holy Communion. Now, some of us might just go, well, wait, come on, wasn't that a little rude? I mean, shouldn't he have gone out there and spent time with the people? But I mean, I want you to know, he gave a lot of time to the people. When he got out there, he was totally present. You know how he was, looking people in the eye, talking to them, and he was so present to them. Very generous, but he put first things first. He put his relationship with Jesus in Holy Communion first. Let's spend that time. Let's treasure that time to be with Jesus in communion so that those graces can take deep roots in our lives. Take moments after mass, minutes after mass, maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. You're probably not able to do a half hour, but can you take some time intentionally with your family? Even little kids, they might squirm around for a little bit, but you can keep them for a little bit at least. And maybe just say a short little prayer at the end together as a family to kind of mark the ending of our time in Thanksgiving in Holy Communion. So a couple little thoughts here on how we can enter into this sacrament more profoundly. If you have any questions or want to reach out to me, you can contact me on my website, edwards3.com, that's edwardsi.com, and you can always reach me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. God bless.